0: This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organization that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LLAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. I don't believe in breakfast foods or dinner foods. I think all food should just be good food. And so if you stop thinking of Whether it's a breakfast food or not, and you just eat lots of vegetables, you eat really healthy whole foods, it doesn't matter. It's just a meal.
1: Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast, Lama for short. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Now, there are two words that have cropped up a lot during this podcast over the past year circadian rhythm that biological clock that seems to play a, a crucial role in so many aspects of our health and well-being well today we're going to find out what it is and why we should care. My guest is Dr. Felice Gersh, a prolific speaker and writer on health issues, especially relating to women's health. She is a gynecologist, practices functional medicine, and is the founder and medical director of the Integrative Medical Group of Irvine, which is in Orange County here in California. Dr. Gersh received her medical degree from the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine in Los Angeles. And Felice, it is a pleasure to welcome you back to the podcast.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be back, Peter.
1: And I say welcome back because we have spoken before. And if anyone listening wants to listen to our previous interview, and it might well fill in a few of the gaps in, in terms of, of your story, which we won't be uh, repeating here again. It is episode 20 of the Lama podcast. And you'll find that through the index of our website, LamaPodcast.com. Or, of course, if you're listening to the podcast on one of the regular podcasting platforms, platform of your choice, you can find it there as well. So, Felice, what is the circadian rhythm?
0: Well, it's a beautiful thing, Peter. It's all about survival and life on planet Earth. That's why, you know, you have to think about where we belong in this universe. And it turns out we actually belong here on Earth because we evolved, and not just us, every single life form on planet Earth evolved to survive on on this planet. And that means to live with the rhythms of the earth, which is the rotation of the earth on its axis. The 24-hour rotation is called the circadian rhythm. And it's actually embedded into our genes. And it's not just about a little bit. It's about every single function in the human body. And once again, it's all about how to survive in a situation where half the time we're in the dark, or, or more, and half or more the time we're in the light. And how does that impact on the survival functions of each creature on this planet.
1: So if it is embedded in our genes is there a, a, a genetic component to how it affects us and and are we all different in that respect?
0: Well It's very standardized in many ways, and so that's sort of the problem. When people say, you know, I'm really a night person, you know, I I can work all night and sleep in the day, that actually is not the case because you you can adjust somewhat. Humans are incredibly resilient, but actually we are designed, we're really designed to be day creatures. So our circadian rhythm is built into our genes. In fact, about one-third of the genes in the human body are Actually, clock genes and the other genes are actually interacting with the clock genes. So we're all on these like micro timers. Everything in our body is necessary to work in a synchronized fashion. Because if you have like the liver doing one thing while the intestines are doing something else, and they don't really know what what's happening, then you would have really what is called metabolic chaos. Because we have to work in this beautiful united synchrony, and all the different organs in the body have to work together to make a human, healthy, functioning body, and that requires this timing. So they used the analogy of an orchestra, right? So you, know, you have a complex piece, you know, a symphony that has many, many different parts, and you have all the different orchestral um, you know, instruments playing different notes and different, even a little bit of a different beat and so forth, and it's the conductor that puts it all together. But if you have even one section of the orchestra playing a little bit off you know like they're off a of measure you you just have noise so it's the master clock we have this incredible thing called the master clock that sits in our brains and it actually is like the orchestra of our of our entire body, keeping all our organs working in synchrony.
1: So I was going to ask, therefore, what is the connection with longevity and, and health span in particular? And I, f- I suppose from what you've just said, it, it's fairly obvious that if we are a little bit off and our bodies aren't functioning properly, clearly that is going to affect our general well-being and potentially our longevity.
0: Well, it's actually a huge impact on our longevity. We now know from um, data that comes from people who work at night, you know, like the night shift workers who are, their circadian rhythm is very very off, or people who put it upon themselves. We call them um, social jet-laggers. You know, of course, is the real jet lag people who travel across time zones all the time, and people who just do it to themselves. Like they'll just stay up randomly very late uh, certain nights, or they just eat at all different times in the middle of the night, and so forth. So it affects every metabolic function. So metabolism is about creation of energy in the body, really like the life force. And everything is about having proper metabolism. And you can't have a proper metabolically functioning body if you don't have everything working in synchrony. So people who do work at night, people who travel a great deal across time zones, have a much higher incidence of diseases such as cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and cancer. Women, they've done data on women, for example, nurses who work at night. They have significantly higher rates of breast cancer. So it, obviously, that's a dramatic impact on longevity. So in terms of aging, it turns out that our hormones support, our master clock and estrogen has receptors, and testosterone has receptors on the master clock. It sits atop the optic nerve, and it gets only one major input, and that's light and dark. And there are actual receptors in the retina of the eye itself that then transmit the signal to the suprachiasmatic nucleus. That's what is the, the nerve signals that are occupying this master clock. So it's so important that we have special receptors in our eye just for that purpose.
1: And just going back to what you said about nurses and breast cancer, does that apply, is there data to show that other women working overnight, not just nurses, but other women in other walks of life, are suffering disproportionately in the same way?
0: Yes, it turns out they they did a lot of data on nurses, but Yes, anybody who works at night. They've looked at doctors, for example, my specialty, you know, that unfortunately there are doctors, well, people need care, sometimes 24 hours a day.
1: I guess as a gynecologist, you've you've had plenty of experience of working around the clock.
0: Um, I think I had about 25 years of circadian rhythm dysfunction when I was doing deliveries. And it turns out that, I, I used to not understand it. I thought it was a, a, a wives' tale that people go into labor and deliver in the night or in the early morning hours and they labor all night. But no, that's not a wives' tale. That's a fact. And because we actually are programmed in our genes as to when we'll go into labor as well. So doctors who work at night also have more problems. And, and I didn't mention this, but it also includes mental health problems because it's everything in the body, of course, is linked to everything else. And so people who have like night shift workers they do have higher rates of depression so it goes across all all walks of life people who are in the um like police force and fire they they all suffer they have a lot of disability and you probably have heard a lot of people who work in those fields do have a lot of disability and part of it is because they do work at night
1: and just go back to what you said about uh, babies being born at night or in the evening is there a reason for that do you think and what's the logic to
0: it I think there's definitely a reason. Think about this. If a woman is in labor, how vulnerable is she? She's incredibly vulnerable. She can't protect herself. She can't run. She can't do anything. So you have the cloak of darkness because many of her predators, right? And if you go back thousands and thousands of years ago, and women would deliver in the woods and, you know, where do they have to hide, you know? And so many of the predators were also sleeping at night, and so when they're most vulnerable, they would be in labor, and then they would deliver the babies are mostly born in the early morning hours when light is coming up, so that then they can see and they can move and they can go to some place that's more protected and other people can protect them. So I think it's all totally planned, and it, it makes total sense. And everything about the circadian rhythm is geared towards survival. In fact, our whole metabolic systems are different. We're like two different creatures. Humans are day creatures and night creatures, and our entire metabolic state changes between those two times of day.
1: So, So many of us who have to work around the clock are suffering, and there's a guy blowing leaves outside. He's working during the daylight. He's probably got a great circadian rhythm. Let's just leave him to his work. We can continue. But a lot of us are suffering, aren't we? And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment.
0: Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? Yes. Um, We live in a world that is not really geared towards supporting our circadian rhythm. One of the things that is part of it is seeing the sun go down. Watching the sunset is actually embedded in our genes as well. And the colors of the sunset actually set the tone. And we call that like the dusk transition. And it actually starts the melatonin production and the cortisol to go down. So it's really a wonderful transition that's put into our bodies to see the sunset, to see the colors, and then have the light go dim. And that dimming of the light and the sunset, and that's not happening in, in most people's lives. They're watching television, they're on the computer, they're getting exposed to lots of blue light. And that's disrupting their sleep. We know that sleep disturbance is, is huge now. How many people are having problems with sleep? And much of that is because we're living out of sync. We know we're eating at the wrong times. We're exercising not at all, or often at night, late, when which actually raises our cortisol when it should be going down. And we're exposed to so much artificial light, which is really suppressing our melatonin, and it's altering our clock because our master clock only knows what's going on based on light and dark. And so, in fact, light therapy is a very big deal now. They're using light therapy for helping people who have a lot of uh, emotional problems, for depression and so on. Light is often very helpful. And for people who have sleep disturbance to try to reset their clock, to try to move it forward or backwards by giving bright light at times to try to reset it because we're so messed up in our society now with not living outside, not seeing the moon and the stars and the sun, living in our little cubicles. Many people don't see the sun during the day. Having bright light in the morning and midday helps to set our clocks.
1: A lot of people that I know who run in the morning swear by running as the sun is coming up because, as you say, it is the beginning of the day. There is that circadian rhythm setting scenario that they are active and they're out in the sun and probably just being in the sun for other health reasons is is good for them as well but that is the beginning of that very important cycle isn't it
0: it is our bodies are designed so completely in alignment with the movement of the sun and the moon and the and the earth and at night when our circadian rhythm is in it's the night state, the melatonin, like I mentioned, it peaks at 2 o'clock. In fact, they, they have little clocks that you can see if you go on the Internet, and it shows the time of the day when different things are happening in the body. And melatonin will peak about 2 a.m., but only if you've been sleeping for a while. And cortisol is very low at that time. The bladder is is supposed to be resting. That's why people who are voiding all night get up to go to the bathroom. You know there's something wrong because actually everything should be very quiet at night in that regard. And then in the morning when the sun comes up, our cortisol jumps up really high. That's our peak in cortisol. And it starts our body going. It causes fat to be broken down. So we release fatty acids and sugar to be released. And it really gets us going. And we feel energized. Just
1: on, on the point of, of the bladder, which you mentioned, I, I, my understanding was that uh, the nighttime is when you actually do naturally produce a lot of urine. Is that not the case?
0: Well, you do um, produce urine, but it should be stored. The bladder should be the muscles of the bladder should be very quiet. So it can expand without the sensation that right. you have to void.
1: Interesting, yes, because I know that's a common complaint of, of older people.
0: Well, and there's more than one reason. I mean, sometimes men have prostate issues, and that, but in terms of, for example, sleep apnea, so people who have sleep apnea, they have very disturbed sleep. And so they're not having the proper melatonin and the other you know, growth hormone, all the different things that change during the night. Our immune systems are completely different at night as well. But because they have such disturbed sleep and their hormones and everything is really off during that time, their bladders are not getting the proper relaxation signals. And so they get up a lot and they actually start producing diuretic hormone. Everything is off balance. And so they actually start voiding a lot during the night. That's actually Mm. one of the symptoms of sleep apnea is lots of night voiding.
1: That's interesting. So 2 a.m. is a a crucial point in that 24-hour rhythm. And it's important to have been sleeping for, what, maybe four hours before that point to get the maximum benefit of the melatonin at that time? Well,
0: even like three would do it. But four would be best. You hit it right on the head.
1: Because, I, again, I often hear that if the the crucial hours to be asleep and when you feel the most benefit in the morning is having been asleep from about 10, 11 p.m., Certainly, through till two. If you miss those crucial hours, then you're going to get up and feel groggy and not so good the next day.
0: That's that's very true. And um, sleep is often mistreated in our society as well. People think that sleep is the absence of awake, but sleep is a very active time. When you're sleeping, you know, you're as I mentioned, your immune system is doing very different things. You're actually, you can think of it as sort of cleaning up your brain. You know, all the the dead stuff gets um, carried away, and you do all the housekeeping. In your body during the night. And sleep has a very ordered kind of system. You go through different phases of sleep. But if you go to bed really late, or if you have even a little bit of light, this is sort of interesting. I actually sleep now with an eye mask because I can't get my bedroom dark enough at night. I have too much ambient room light. But even a little bit, even when you're sleeping, a little bit of light coming through your eyelids, it alters things. It turns out it's not as good for you so it's better to be in, in really a dark kind of an environment.
1: So I can hear lots of people listening in agreement probably and saying, well, I'm a night shift worker and I can't do anything about it. So what can they do to at least help them through and make things not quite as bad as they are?
0: Well, there actually are some very, very practical things that can be done. It turns out that every cell in our body actually has its own set of clock genes. There's not just the master clock. We have what are called peripheral clocks. And the peripheral peripheral clocks can take cues that are different than just light and dark. They can take cues from timed eating. So when you eat can actually help set the clock the clocks in all these peripheral cells. So it turns out that there's a whole other set of clock genes that are very critical, and they're actually in our gut microbiome, the bacteria that live inside of our intestinal tract. And they have their own clocks, and they know what time it is, based on when you eat. The problem is, if you eat randomly, if you eat all the time, then they don't know what time it is. They can't figure it out, and they get all the cues wrong. The bacteria that live in us, the microbiota, they actually are circadian as well. So if you check, you have different species of bacteria that are more prevalent at different times of the 24-hour day. And and it turns out at night... Melatonin is made in the GI tract. In fact, more is made there than in the brain. And melatonin acts as a signaling agent in the gut, and it causes certain bacteria that should be there at night to swarm, just like insects would be swarming, and they create signals that go to the cells that line our intestines that then create another signal to the liver, which is very key to a lot of metabolic situations, for example, regulating fats in our blood and, and our glucose regulation and glucose production, so if you have the proper food coming in at the right time, the proper signals can be given to our intestines and then to the liver. And it's even more complex than that. It turns out that the lining cells in our intestine actually put out signals that connect to our brain, to this master circadian rhythm, and the pituitary gland that controls the output of cortisol. And cortisol has a very, very very clear rhythm that most people know that cortisol, you know, comes up high in the morning, then goes low at night. And that's actually very impacted through the gut microbiome and the lining cells of the gut. So if you are working a night shift, but you eat at the same time every day, even on the days when you're off. And so I suggest like having your two big meals a day, 7am and 7pm. And you can usually work around that, whether you're working or not, because some people, they work the night shift, but they don't work seven days a week. So the alternate days, when they're not working, they often do things that are completely different.
1: So in other words, eat at the same time, no matter what you're doing, whether you're planning to be awake all night or sleeping all night.
0: Exactly. And that will keep you on the beat. Your body will know what time it is through your gut microbiome signaling through your liver, through the cells, back to your brain and so on. And you, it's like I call it the back door to keeping your circadian rhythm intact.
1: Just thinking that through a 7 p.m. meal might be just shortly before you go to bed or at least two or three hours, ideally. Or it could be the meal that's setting you up for a long time night of working. Of, exactly. of nursing or whatever you do.
0: Exactly. And I don't believe in breakfast foods or dinner foods. I think all food should just be good food. And so if you stop thinking of whether it's a breakfast food or not, and you just eat lots of vegetables, you eat really healthy whole foods, it doesn't matter whether it's, you call it dinner or you call it breakfast, it's just a meal.
1: Now, for those of us who luckily don't have to work through the night, is is that still an optimum regime? Or, and we hear a lot these days about time-restricted feeding and shorter and shorter windows, when some people suggest that it's it's the best time to eat, maybe a a 16-8 kind of regime, where you're not eating for 16 hours, and then you have an 8-hour eating window during the day. And for some people, that might not start till... 10 o'clock in the morning and, and finish at 6pm. A lot of people swear by that to stop eating quite early before they go to bed. Does that work in terms of the circadian rhythm?
0: For the circadian rhythm itself, the most important thing is to have regular eating times and not eat all the time. You know, somewhere somewhere down the line, somebody said you should eat every two hours. That's probably the worst thing you could do for your circadian rhythm. In terms of fasting, the data that I have read is that if you fast from dinner to breakfast for 13 hours, you will significantly lower your risk of getting cancer. You're going to help keep your circadian rhythm on, on track. Whether you fast longer than that, I don't think that you're going... I think the return on investment is going to be very small and that if you just stick with 13 hours, which is hard for a lot of people, so I'm happy if people can do 13 hours, I think you'll be in good shape.
1: Hard for some people, but but not that hard. So it's sending... At six PM and having breakfast at seven AM, which doesn't sound that out of the ordinary.
0: It's not hard. It's more psychological because people love to snack, and you know people sit down yeah, in the evening. Snacking is the issue, isn't oh, it? it? Oh, they, they, they right? They well, sit Well, not just down the people love
1: doing it. Of course, as a society, we're we're encouraged to do it because it is so easy. Food is thrown at us. There are vending machines in workplaces and in hospitals schools it's so easy to grab a bag of whatever potato chips or peanuts or whatever the, the snack is or chocolate
0: that's right and then it, the beverages are also just as bad because people sometimes have some sort of a sweetened beverage and they sip on it all day and all night which essentially means they're eating all the time because they're taking in calories all the time and that is going to totally mess up their circadian clock so It's really, it's hard because it's an emotional thing, you know, half of the eating that people do is really emotional based. So people have to really be determined that they're going to stop eating after dinner and finish dinner by seven o'clock, most nights, if not all, best you can, and then just not eat and sit in front of a television and start eating again.
1: Are there significant differences in the the rhythm of the day for men and women?
0: Well, women before puberty, um, they're identical. So we know it's a hormonal thing. Once women go through puberty and they have a rhythm, and of course, this is another whole story, you know, what happens when you don't have rhythm, what happens with their their hormones, because hormones are very, very rhythmic. Most people know or they have heard that testosterone in a male, for example, peaks in the morning in terms of production. And a lot of people don't know that estrogen does as well. So estrogen has a tremendous amount of rhythm to it, and it has... Circadian rhythm, it has what 's called ultradian rhythm, which it, it pulses during the day and then it has a lunar rhythm, which is the the moon rhythm and when that happens the, these hormones have tremendous impact on the circadian rhythm, and when when it 's off, women are more affected because they have these rhythms of their estrogen, so they 're more susceptible to having sleep problems so women we know compared to men show the effects of an altered or malfunctioning circadian rhythm more than men do. Women have twice the incidence of depression than men do. They have much higher rates of insomnia. So a lot of these things are really circadian rhythm dysfunctions that are due to hormonal imbalances. We now know that women who have PMS often have a phase problem. That, For example, their brain says, oh, we think it's 3 o'clock, rather we think it's 6 o'clock in the morning, but the real clock, says it's 3 o'clock in the morning. So they wake up, and they're just like off by two, three hours. They're just, And that's really a problem that is related to having hormonal fluctuations. Now, because of the world that we live in with endocrine disruptors, chemicals that get into our, our food and our water and such, that can impact on women more greatly than men because of the estrogen that flows through women's you know, blood vessels and that are impacting every organ in their body more acutely than in men.
1: So, not only differences between the sexes, but clearly differences as we age.
0: Well, yes. When women go through menopause, there is a significant abrupt change of course in their peripheral production of estrogen but amazingly and unfortunately it turns out that the production of estrogen in the brain also declines the brain makes its own supply of estrogen which is of course augmented greatly in women by the peripheral production by the ovaries but and men actually in their brains make about 6 to 8 times as much estrogen as women do in their brains and after menopause the women's brains have less estrogen for all of these reasons. It makes less and it gets less from the ovaries. So they then have, they're more prone to sleep problems and to mood problems. So women do have more circadian rhythm dysfunction than men do after menopause. And it's not really well recognized, but they even talk about, you can take away a hot flash from a woman, but she's still going to have sleep problems in very, very high percentage of cases. So the solution obviously isn't to put every woman on sleeping pills and Prozac, which is often done, which we don't really want. The solution is to use these, what I call, the back doorways to try to regiment the circadian rhythm through timed eating, timed exercise, light therapy, and so on. And, of course, there is an option of giving hormones. But no matter how we give hormones, it's never going to be the same as what a woman would have in her reproductive years. We don't know how to mimic it exactly.
1: This is a fascinating area. And I think clearly for a lot of people still very misunderstood. I'm curious, how many doctors will talk about the circadian rhythm when someone comes to them with a sleeping related problem, waking up at 2am having gone to bed at midnight? How easily identifiable is the lack of attention to the circadian rhythm by the medical profession?
0: I think it is completely neglected. I mean, I, I hate to say that because it's my profession, but I don't think this is getting any anywhere near the attention it should be getting. I think we have this reflex reaction to just give people sleeping pills, and, and that is so harmful. We now know, for example, that people who take uh, chronic use of sleeping pills have increased rates of dementia, I mean, it's, it, the brain needs to have proper sleep functions, have the sleep phases, and you don't get that. You're getting a drug sleep. It's not a natural sleep when you take a sleeping pill. So the solution is not that. We have to pay attention. The problem is it takes time. You know, you have to talk to a patient. You have to look at so much of their behavior, their life. When are they eating? What are, when are they exercising? And are they watching a lot of television? Are they on computers? What's the room temperature in their bedroom? You know, because people's temperatures go down, too much heat will affect sleep. And, of course, the amount of light. There's so many factors. It's, it's complex, and it takes time. And the doctors, number one, don't have much time with their patients in general. And number two, they haven't really been trained on it. So we have to change. That's one of, my, one of my goals, is to try to change medical education, to try to incorporate these important things, not just memorize drugs, but to actually look at beautiful things like the circadian rhythm and how it impacts the health of every single person on this planet.
1: And obviously a certain amount of, of self-help is needed then, with some perhaps basic understanding based on the kind of things that you've been saying. There's a lot clearly we can do for ourselves without needing our doctors to tell us to do it.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly why I love this podcast, because you can learn and then you can implement things on your own, because you know, you're, you're with yourself every day. Every day you make all these decisions. You know, what are you going to eat? When are you going to eat? And you can't make decisions if you don't have information right? How are you going to know what to choose if you have no basis to make the judgment with? So I think just knowing that we are timed creatures, that we are circadian, and that every single cell in our body has a clock, and it needs to be coordinated with every other cell in every other organ so that we can work as a unified whole and be healthy.
1: You have given us a lot to think about, Dr. Felice Gersh. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Now, we're constantly trying to grow the podcast. And if you're listening on a platform where you can leave a review like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, a five-star review would be hugely appreciated if you think we deserve it. It is a really a big help as we try to grow the podcast in the future. And finally, a reminder that there are several ways to listen to us. You can visit us at our website, the Live Long and Master Aging website for all of the options. That's llamapodcast.com. Dot com, double l a m a com. the site is evolving with new information added there every week and there's a searchable index of all of our episodes many thanks for listening